Welcome to Ottawa Valley Community Church, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share His love. Um, Came for a day. Um, It's the title of my sermon. It's Palm Sunday. Blessed is he who comes in the name of of the Lord, Matthew 21 and 9, 9, but my sermon's entitled, King for a Day. I had a subtitle there, so you crown him today, but will you dethrone him tomorrow? As we look at Palm Sunday, I was thinking about individuals who reign, as I referred to with the kids, and uh, the Canadian Prime Minister, the shortest that ever reigned was Sir Charles Tupper, or Tupper, however you pronounce his name, he was in power for 68 days. He was Prime Minister of Canada. So that's a pretty short reign. In the United States, William Henry uh, Arison served as President of the United States for 32 days. Let me go to, uh, to, to the British colony for a moment. And uh, William, uh, I'm sorry, Lady Jane Grey is remembered in British history as a monarch with the shortest reign. She reigned for nine days. And this was back in uh, the 1500s. In July 1830, Louis Antoine of France ascended the French throne as King Louis XIX, succeeding his father, Charles X, who had abdicated. And so he was, became king, and he stayed king for 20 minutes. And then he abdicated himself. <laughs> so that was a very short reign. But there was one more who had a coronation, but really didn't get the reign in the hearts of his people. And you know that individual. I know him personally. His name is Jesus. He really didn't get to reign. As Pastor Aaron referenced earlier, and as the video had brought out to us, you're, you're, you're afraid I'm going to tip that over. As the video had brought out to us, he wasn't the king they thought he was going to be. They had something totally different in mind that we're going to see as we go through this this morning. And I'm going to quickly read the scripture to you in Luke chapter 19, 29 to 40. As they came to the town of Bethage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into the village over there, he told them, and as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that coat, just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the coat just as Jesus had said, and sure enough, As they were untying it, the owners asked, Why are you untying the colt? And the disciples simply replied, The Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it and for, for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. And when they reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Hollows, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some Pharisees 
among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying uh, things like that. He replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Someone had to shout, and Jesus would they kept quiet, the rocks would cry out for me. Wow. So it's Palm Sunday. And uh, it was Palm Sunday in the church a few years ago, and a little boy named Johnny uh, woke up on Sunday morning, and he wasn't feeling well, and he had to stay home. So his parents, because it was Palm Sunday, still wanted to go to church with the family, so they got a sitter to stay with little Johnny, and they went to church. And when the family returned home, they were carrying palm branches with them, and the boy asked what they were for. And they said the people held them over Jesus' head as he walked by. He got very upset. Wouldn't you know it, the boy said, that one Sunday that I don't go and he shows up. <laughs> I trust that he do show up every Sunday that we come together. But it is Palm Sunday. We call it also the triumphal entry of Jesus, our Savior, into the city. This portion of Scripture is often passed over with little reference and a little bit of emphasis. Yet it is brimming with treasure. It is corn, Coronation Day. And as I read to you a few moments ago, uh, I'm just going to break down a little bit of the Scripture and let you see some insights on that day. Luke 19 and 30, starting at 30, or 29, actually. As they came to the town of Bethage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples ahead of him. Go into that village over there, he told them, and as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it to me. So Jesus is saying, go into there steal a donkey. <laughs> well, actually, if someone stops them, and maybe in their culture, this would not be a problem when they know it's going to be for a king. If anyone asks you why you are untying that coat, just say the Lord needs it. So they went and found a coat just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owner asked them, why are you untying my donkey? What are you up to? That's my donkey. And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they broke the, uh, brought the coat to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. Now what's miraculous about that passage this morning is that that is actually was prophesied hundreds of years before this. And you go to Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9, and the prophet said there, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble and riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's coat. Now, maybe in our day, it would be humility for you and I. We were being crowned king and we're waiting for the limousine to come. And there are some pretty awesome limousines out there today. You know, we're waiting for the grandest one to come. I don't know if you watched when the U.S. president was in Ottawa a few days ago and they had on the news talking about how that actual limousine was built. Man, I must have 
millions to put it together. There was no way you were going to take that president out in that limousine. But Jesus, it says here, um, he is humble, riding on a donkey. So it was prophesied. So this is royal treatment. Royalty is coming. The coronation of all coronations. We read it here as he rode along. The crowds spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. Spread out their precious garments. That a donkey might even decide he's going to do a little business on along the way. But it was worth it even though they cherished the garment. This one is very special to me. The reason it's special to me is two reasons. I had it a couple years ago when I went to Malawi and to come back home with Diana and Owen after they had served there for 14 months. And while I was there, I wanted a special coat, and I wanted it made for me. And I found a seamstress, a young man, probably in his 20s, who actually, I told him the pattern that I wanted and whatever. And he walked away with some plain blue material, and he came back with this. He actually sold all of this in. I don't know how he did it. The, you know, our lovely quilter here, I'm sure that maybe Aaron, she might want to take that up too. I don't know. But this is just amazing how he actually sold all of this in with the machine that he has. And it's special because I had it made for myself, but it's also special because it reminds me of the sacrifice and the, the journey that my daughter and grandson were on for that season. So it's very special. And I would not put that down for just anybody, but they would put it down for Jesus. Amen. And I would too. So they're spreading their garments before a dignitary, and in that day, it was a symbol, first of all, of submission. They're submitting themselves. They're taking the precious have, and they would not have had very much, and but they took the precious that they had, and they said in submission, they honored Jesus as the king of the Jews. It was an act of submission. We see this in Second um, Kings 9, 12 to 13. So Jehu told them, Jehu told them, he said, this is what the Lord says, I have anointed you to be king over Israel. Then they quickly spread out their cloaks on the bare steps and blew the ram's horn, shouting, Jehu is king. So I want to put this in context this morning. Though history spoke of an act of submission, the culture was maybe expressing something more. In ancient Greek methodology, mythology, I'm sorry, palm leaves were the symbol of Nike. Who was Nike? Nike was known as the winged goddess of victory. Wow. So this was in the culture. I'm not talking about in the spiritual culture, but in the culture, they were aware of things. So it's, uh, it was a symbol of Nike, the winged goddess of victory. So they might have had other nuances in mind apart from submission. It wasn't just submission. It was celebrating something. The palm branch is a symbol of victory and triumph. 
originating in the ancient Near East and the Mediterranean world. So it was also in the known world, in the culture, I would say, around them, that this was a symbol of victory. Whoa, we have our king. And by the way, I missed one verse back here, because in Luke's version, it doesn't talk about the palm branches, but you go to John chapter 12, it says they took palm branches of palm trees, and went out to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. So they are actually celebrating. But I want to look at it from culture and see what they may have had in mind. And so my next point is uh, uh, not so exciting, and it is entitled The Tragedy of Palm Sunday. We're celebrating Palm Sunday. The tragedy of that Palm Sunday, he was king, but only for a day. This is one of the most misunderstood days in Christ's ministry. They recognize him as king, but what sort of king? What did they have in mind? They shouted, Hosanna! But also in the culture of that day, if you were to go back in the original Greek, and Hosanna means, oh, save, now. Not just, oh, save, but oh, save, now. They had something immediate in mind. God, save us now. And, uh, and so that, that's the context. But that word originated in the original Hebrew and it was the word Yashaw, and it meant strong, to be free, saved, to get victory. We are going to have victory. So what did they expect? Pastor Aaron already referenced it here this morning. They expected immediate deliverance from Roman rule. Whoa, we're going to conquer those Romans, and we are going to have our country back. We are going to be free. Jesus is coming, and he's going to rid the world of everything but us, and we're going to be free. It wasn't about somebody dying on a cross. It wasn't spiritual. If that were bad enough, they certainly didn't expect or want a king who would not only just die on a cross for them, but would take them to another level, and neither do Christians in our culture today. Many don't. And that is a call for them to bear their cross. Not just his cross. There were three crosses. But there are actually many more crosses that you and I are called to bear. Remember Jesus in Matthew 16 and 24? Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So what does that mean? Like many today, they want a Savior. They love the thought of a Savior, but not a a Lord. A Savior, but not a Lord. Why do you think that in the space of five days, Jesus would go from being the most popular person on planet earth to public enemy number one? 
Jesus wasn't the, the kind of king they were hoping for. They wanted a king to rid them of Roman rule. It was a political mindset. And you know what? Uh, no, I'm not going to go there. Oh, yes, I have got it here. It was a political mindset. And by the way, I preached this sermon here 12 years ago. So this is not something I made up after COVID. All right? This was pre-COVID. I haven't changed nothing. And you see... Uh, Today, in the, since 2020, we've seen a new revolution of let's become political Christians. Let's make it political, and so we are going to reign in our country, and we are going to use whatever force that we have to take over, and we're going to make it a Christian country again like it was before. Jesus they missed Jesus that day. We need to be careful that we don't miss him today. They were not interested in a king who came to set up, yes, a kingdom, but in their hearts. Huh. What? You're talking about setting up a kingdom in my individual heart and not actually setting up a kingdom in this world? A kingdom in their individual hearts. They didn't want a prince of peace. They were looking for a prince of war. We need to be careful when we get caught up in the culture of our day and we begin to endorse, endorse what the culture wants to take us to take on and be distracted from saving people from being lost and we're focused now on saving our country and we're focused on the political aspect where you and I are no longer interested in the harvest. We want a Savior who won't allow anyone to go to hell. We believe in justice as long as it doesn't condemn anybody to hell. We don't mind crowning Jesus as Savior as long as we don't have to submit to His rule and His authority in the day that we live. A lot of this has crept into the church. The culture has invaded the church, and people are buying into it. We want a Savior who will take us to heaven, but we don't want to live for Him on the journey. I want to go to heaven. How many want to go to heaven? Come on now. We want to go to heaven, but far too many today want to go to heaven. They're willing to pray a sinner's prayer, but they don't want to live for Him on the journey. Now, isn't what we're talking about a marriage relationship? We are what? We are the bride. He is the groom. So we want to be married to Jesus, but we don't want to live with him, and we don't want to live for him. How many of you would like to have a marriage relationship like that? Some of them, you know, they want to marry you, but they want to live their own life totally 100%. It wouldn't work, would it? That's not what Jesus had in mind. So today is 2023, and we are reliving in our minds Palm Sunday. It's celebration time. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there that day? You hear me talk like this. I don't know if Pastor Aaron ever talks like this, Anna, or not, but I often say, oh, you know, Christmas comes, I'd love to be able to go back in time. If there was a time machine, I'd buy into. I think you'd come along with me too. I'd buy into just to go back there for a time and actually experience the actual event. I'd love to be able to go back in time and see, you know, and not what the cold third day in my mind. You see, we 
condemned them so easily, but they didn't have what we had. They didn't have the Word. Much of it was written after. So we've got to be careful when we say, you know, how dumb can they be? No, it's not like that. But I'd love to go back in time. Imagine yourself being part of the crowd, grabbing a coat or a palm branch and waving it and yelling at the top of your lungs like you do at a hockey game. Come on now. Hosanna! Hosanna! Oh, come on now. We're at a hockey game now. Hosanna! Yeah, shouting to Jesus out of excitement. Wow. Yelling at the top of your lungs. Jesus is coming into town. I can't believe it. How many of you have ever been in the presence of a major dignitary? Uh, the highest I've ever been in, I'm a Newfie, and the highest I've ever seen was the premier of Newfie, Joey Smallwood. That was it. I've never been in front of a queen. I've never been in the presence of the prime minister or a president or anything like that. I did get to be in the presence of Joey Smallwood, and some of you would remember that guy. He was in my hometown. It was election time, and he was, we were all gathered up by the school. He was giving his speech. Dear old Joey Smallwood, he, he didn't stop for nothing, for nothing. Nothing crippled caused him to shy back. And the reason I, he was giving his speech, and while he was giving his speech, his pants dropped to his ankles, and he kept on going and just down and just brought his pants up and never lost a beat. That's the highest dignitary that I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, to be in the presence of Jesus as he's coming into Bethlehem. Everything is going to be different. They were excited. Major breakthroughs are coming. Jesus comment to the religious Pharisees at the end of this narrative. You, we read it there. Uh, actually, I didn't go as far as 44. Listen to Jesus as he speaks to them. You did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. They, the Pharisees, the religious rulers of his day, didn't recognize him, didn't acknowledge him. I love the way that Peterson puts it. He said, you didn't recognize and welcome God's personal visit. Jesus came to set up a kingdom in our hearts. And I remember that personal visit. I know, Pastor Heron, you can remember yours. I'm sure as you go back, go back into that little church in my little outport community back in the 70s when I was in church and I realized that I needed to know Christ personally. When actually Christ by the Holy Spirit convicted me in that service that night, I wanted to go forward. I didn't have the courage and I wept. I actually cried there as the Holy Spirit was convicting me to go forward for about 30 minutes. So I finally got the courage and I and I walked forward and uh, I invited Jesus to come into my heart. I invited Jesus to be my Savior at the end. I didn't recognize the Lord aspect. But I wanted him. I wanted a relationship with him. And I invited him and, and he set up his kingdom in my heart. It's personal. You didn't recognize and welcome God's personal visit. It is, really, is it really possible for that to happen? It actually is. How many of you remember when Jesus came into your life? Personal. 
personally Jesus came into your life. It is, really, is it really possible for God to come to you and you don't recognize Him or you wouldn't embrace Him or maybe you couldn't miss Him completely? You might be listening online and you're watching this and maybe you've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. But can I tell you this morning, that's the reason He came. It wasn't to set up a kingdom in that day and to get rid of all earthly rulers. That day is going to come, but it wasn't for that day, but it was to, for people to acknowledge Jesus Christ personally and allow Him to set up a kingdom in their lives. So in this story, I'm almost through. It sounds like I'm, you know, this is actually supposed to be the ending, but I got four points, but they go real fast. <laughs> in this I see at least four different responses to Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. Two are favorable, two are unfavorable. First, we have what I call the yes crowd. Whatever the master asks, I'm going to respond. Whatever he wants. The first one was here in Luke chapter 19, verses 39 to 32. Two, when the two disciples, it says there, when he sent two of his disciples, saying, go into the village opposite where you are and enter, I'm sorry, I'm trying to go fast, where as you enter, find a colt tied on which one has never sat, loose it and bring it here. So those two did what? You want me to go and steal a donkey? Can you imagine now if you're here and I say to you that I need a donkey. Well, are you wanting to go in and get that donkey in town for me? And I don't know you I really can't. I remember one minute, it was your donkey that we used there. Yeah, yeah. It really was. But you know, to get that donkey, you go and get it. And immediately without any hesitation, so they went. There was no debate, just obedience. A positive question, a yes with no question asked. And then there's the donkey owner. Listen to him. But some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing loosing the coat? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. So they let them go. The donkey owner had no problem. Take the donkey. If it's for Jesus, you can have the donkey. So the first group were very excited. Then there's the second group. And that group was, don't rain on my parade <laughs> response. Religious scoffers. Bliss, blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord, but some. There's always the some. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. They did not ever recognize Jesus as a Messiah. And that is true for today. I don't know if you've seen, it wasn't on our national news, but it's actually news that came out of Israel a couple of weeks ago. There is a religious members of uh, the uh, prime, uh, president, is the president or prime minister, whatever he is, uh, Netanyahu, of Netanyahu's party. There's 20 of them that are religious, very religious, uh, devout people to the Jewish religion. And uh, they have, two of them introduced a bill uh, that says that to, for anyone to have, say anything about Jesus in Israel will be put in prison. 
That's what's happening right now. They're rejecting Jesus just like they did back then. And the scary part of it is this. They picked their timing perfectly because, first of all, they just won a battle in the Supreme Court that says something of that level would require normally a 75% vote, and they... They managed to shoot that down from the Supreme Court, and now it only requires a 50% vote, and they're, and they're getting very scared because there is the possibility that they're still re rejecting Jesus. Then there is a third crowd. The third crowd is what I call, let's party with Jesus, but wait a minute, response. You know, I kind of buy into this, but uh, could, I, uh, could we not make some slight changes? In less than a week, their tune changed. They were shouting just like you did this morning, Hosanna! Hosanna in the eyes. They were excited about this new king. And in less than a week, we see them, it says it, but they shouted, what? Say it. Say it like you would when you were celebrating. Crucify him! Crucify him. The same crowd that said, Hosanna, when they realized there was a cross to bear, when they realized that this king was not going to get rid of Roman rule, but this king just wanted to set up a kingdom in the hearts of people, they weren't buying into that. And they were shouting, Crucify him. And listen to the response of his own disciples. Out of fear, in Mark 14 and verse 15, then all of his disciples deserted him and ran away. It's kind of like a pastor. You know, you're in a community and you, you're ready to go out there to help, you know, with, with God's word, to set up God's kingdom in people's hearts. And there is rebellion against us and you know there's going to be persecution. And the poor pastor looks around for his board members and they're all gone out the back door. You know, the, 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 the strong team that you had around you that you thought were going to help you, they're all gone out the door. You're left on your own. That's what happened. Many of them were there on Palm Sunday, but sang a new song on Good Friday. And it wasn't Good Friday for them. It is for us. Amen? Because we know the outcome. So they were there on, uh, on Sunday uh, shouting, Hosanna, and on Friday they were saying, Crucify. And what happened? They were looking for a Savior, but not a Lord. Their theme song was, Come, Lord Jesus, and my will be done. Come, Lord Jesus, and my will be done. Will be done. Too many Christians today are not interested in God being Lord of their lives. The same is true in our culture today, in our church culture, and has crept into the evangelical church culture today. Many want a Savior, but not a Lord. The Lordship of Christ is an unpopular topic. Romans chapter 10 and 9 says, And what is God's living message? It is a revelation of faith for salvation, which is the message that we preach. We like that part. For if you publicly declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, say it. Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will experience a salvation. You can't separate it. You can't separate Savior from Lord. 
You really can't. The word Lord is the word kurios. It means supremacy, supreme in authority. That is as a noun, a controller. That is what it means. Thayer's definition is this, E to whom a person or thing belongs, about which he has power of deciding, the master, the Lord, the possessor and disposer of a thing, the owner, one who has control of the person, the master. And then in Acts 2 and 36, this is right after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Peter is preaching. By the way, he was one of those who ran away as well, right? He denied Jesus even in front of a little child. Wow. And now he's preaching, filled with the Holy Spirit. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucify to be both, both Lord and Messiah. Lord and Messiah. I read an article by a person named J.D. Walt a while ago. I did add this into my sermon. And it's awesome what he shared there. He said, we have lived through a period of history in which the gospel has been presented with two options. You can have the basic pack package or the deluxe pack package. Okay? The basic pack package would include Jesus as Savior. The deluxe package includes Jesus as Lord. You make your choice. In other words, one can check the box for Jesus Christ as Savior and not go for the upgrade with Jesus as Lord. What do you think most people bought? Yep, the basic package, he said. Jesus can be Savior, and maybe I will even get around to making Him my Lord someday. But he's, the writer said, but I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but this is not the good news. The gospel makes one offer. I like, he said, the way that the missionary E. Stanley Jones put it, Jesus Christ will be Lord of all or he will not be Lord at all. And then there's the fourth group. Yeah, I'm coming there. I'm almost there. The not my will, but yours, Lord. And that's what he's looking for. Not my will, but yours. Many of them went to serve God's kingdom and took up their cross as he had commanded them and followed him, and many of them died for their faith. They were martyrs for Jesus. Awesome. So how will I respond when Jesus comes riding humbly into my life? Matthew 16, 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and let him take up his cross and follow me. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back. I came across something else the other day. I don't know who the author is. I couldn't find it. It starts with a question and then he gives the answer. And I thought it was a good way to conclude this this morning. The question was this, can somebody receive Jesus as Savior but not as Lord? This is the answer he gave. When God opens someone's eyes to recognize and trust Jesus as Savior, they already affirm Him as Lord. They already affirm that. The concepts are so integrated that 
cannot really, they cannot really be separated. And here's why. It's if by grace you want Jesus to save you from the guilt and the power of sin, then it shows that you, are no, lo that you no longer want to be under sin's tyranny. But you want to be rescued from it. And if you want to be out of, uh, from under sin's tyranny, then it reveals that you want to be under the yoke of Christ. For to be under any other part, uh, sorry, for, for to be under anything apart from Christ is sin. On the other end, those who want Jesus to rescue them from sin's guilt but lead them under his power have not understood the gospel. A truly regenerated person wants Jesus to save them both from sin's guilt and sin's power. And we are promised in the word of God when we give our hearts to Christ, we become what? A new, new creation. We are no longer under the dominion of Satan, but we are under the dominion, the reign of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ promised us, you see Paul talked about it, it's there in the scripture that you and I have within us power to overcome the enemy, to overcome sin on a daily basis. The only reason that we do stumble into sin is because we yield to the temptation. Satan can't make you and I do absolutely anything. We have authority over him. Now, I'm as guilty as you are at times of giving in to a temptation and sinning. And then I have to come before my Savior and I repent of that sin. But can I tell you this? this morning that Satan has no dominion over us we are more than conquerors through the you know this church no through we are more than conquerors we can defeat the devil the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you but what we do sometimes we fall for sin there is a difference Jesus did not uh, come to approve or validate us in our sins, but to rescue us from our sins. That is why he is called Savior, and that is why the no lordship position makes absolutely no sense. If you are not coming to Jesus to save you from sin, then what are you coming to him for? You didn't recognize and welcome God's personal. Fellowship. Could we close our eyes for a moment? You may be here this morning and you say, Pastor, I've never actually acknowledged Christ personally to be my Savior and Lord. You might be watching online and you realize this morning that you've never acknowledged Christ as your own personal Savior and Lord. I love something I came across quite a few years ago that it shows how, how simple it is to be able to acknowledge Christ and come to him. It's not difficult. You don't have to work for it. Someone said it's as simple as A, B, C. A is admit that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. 
B is believe in Jesus. Not believe about Jesus, but believe in him. Believe that Jesus is the one who died for your sin. So believe in Jesus and then confess your sin before him. I am a, a sinner in need of a savior. And Jesus, I want you to remove the sin from my life. I want you to sit up your kingdom in my heart. I want a personal relationship with you. So you ask God to forgive you of your sin. And you ask him to come into your heart. And come into your life. And then you make him Lord of your life. You're saying I'm no longer serving the kingdom of darkness, but I'm serving the king of light. And he's your Lord. So I'd encourage you to pray that prayer today. If you do pray that prayer, I'd encourage you to let somebody know. Jesus, I thank you this morning that you are my king, not just for a day, but you are my king for eternity. And Lord, there are many of us that are here this morning. We can pray that prayer. We can make that declaration and we make it today. As you parade into our lives, we are shouting, Hosanna. We are shouting because you came to save us and we can live victoriously. I thank you for dying for us. I thank you for the cross. I thank you for the resurrection. We celebrate you again today. Not just king for one day, but king of my heart, king of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hosanna. Hosanna. Amen. Let's stand together as leads in our closing song. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Community Church, visit ovcchurch.ca. Thank you.